We are continuing our walk through the Gospel of John, asking who is this Jesus and seeing what we learn about him. We're going to bring a little bit of a break after this Sunday as we enter into the Advent season next Sunday. But this week we are looking at John chapter 17, and we're going to be reading the entirety of that chapter. It's found starting on page 1073 of your pew Bibles, or the words are on the screen behind me. Again, chapter 17 of the Gospel of John, page 1073 in your pew Bibles. Here we read, When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted it up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence, with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you and that you have believed and, and that they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them. In your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves." I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, and for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, 
so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I know that I've mentioned this in other sermons before, but admittedly there are times that I worry that I don't model prayer for you very well when all you hear from me is our congregational prayer. We are a large congregation, which means that we almost always have people that are in need, and one of the easiest needs that there are to share is health needs. And so because of that, oftentimes the majority of the prayers that are prayed from this pulpit are prayers for those who are going through health struggles. And it almost gets to the point, I fear, that the message that gets proclaimed is if you don't know anyone in the hospital or if you don't know anyone who's sick, then you really have nothing to pray about, which certainly isn't true. Prayer is is supposed to be a conversation, an interaction with God, and prayer should be just as much about what we want from God as it is submitting ourselves to what God wants from us. In these last several weeks, we have been focusing on this section that started in John chapter 13, that having finished his public ministry, Jesus has been alone with his disciples, and he has been talking with them and preparing them for the best of his ability to what was about to come in his going to the cross. And at the very end of that time with his disciples, Jesus concludes with this prayer. It's a prayer that we're going to be focusing on this morning. Now, there's a challenging prayer uh, that, to preach on. And it's challenging in a couple of ways. First of all, whereas Jesus had been addressing and talking to his disciples previously, well, now he's talking to God. And we are privileged to kind of eavesdrop on that conversation. But it means it's a little harder to apply a, a prayer in terms of how we live. What is more is that this is a prayer that is rich and deep, full of all kinds of, of wonderful things. We wish we had more time to explore. In fact, just this week, I talked with another pastor that said that they use this chapter, John 17, for the entirety of their Lenten season one year. Five sermons on this particular text. We only have one, so we won't be able to go into it into that kind of depth. But as you look at the overview, which is what we are going to be doing this morning, there's a couple of things that I do want to highlight and draw out. And the very first of those things is the fact that Jesus was a man of prayer. Not very many of Jesus' prayers are recorded for us in Scripture. In fact, the one that we just read is the longest of all of them that were written but we know because we are told that Jesus was a man of prayer. And that's an important thing to, to focus on and to recognize. 
And in this particular prayer, we get a glimpse of what that meant for Jesus. And in reality, what that meant was what I had just said earlier. Prayer for Jesus was not just telling God the things that he wanted, but it was talking with God and aligning his will with the Father's. And we get several glimpses of that in the text. We see, for example, in verse 8 where he says, I have given them the words that you gave me. And he refers to the disciples as the people that you have given me. And throughout the gospel, we've seen Jesus say that the words that he is speaking, the things that he was doing were not of his own desire and will, but he was simply doing the things that God had directed and guided him to do. And where did he get that direction from? Where was he fueled in that mission to completely surrender himself to the absolute service of the Father? It was through prayer. And so as we see Jesus offer this prayer, it's an encourage to us to be people of prayer, to model our prayers after his, and so that we too can take these moments to align our will, our desires, our service to the desire, will, and call of God. But not only do we see that, excuse me, there's a fly up here. Not only do we see that Jesus prays, but we get a glimpse at what he prays for and what he focuses on in prayer. Now, it's pretty easy to see the outline that's in the text. In verses 1 through 5, Jesus prays for himself in some ways. And then in verses 6 through 19, his focus is on the disciples, those that he had called and been with and had been equipped through him. And then in verses 20 through 26, Jesus prays for those that would believe because of what the disciples say, meaning us, the future generation of followers, assuming that this mission is going to go forward and that this kingdom will continue to be built in his actions. So let's look again very briefly at some of the things that are covered in each one of those sections. First of all, when Jesus prays for himself in the first five verses, Jesus prays You can't help but hear that repeated word of glory and glorify. Jesus prays, glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. To glorify means to make much of. It means to to highlight and to celebrate. And very often when we want to be glorified or have glory come to us, it's at the expense of God the Father. We want attention to us rather than to him. But that's not the case with Jesus. In fact, there's this interesting kind of cycle where Jesus prays, glorify me so that you may be glorified. Give me the glory that I had with you before the earth was established. And that's the desire of Jesus' heart. That everything that he does, that everything that he is about, isn't about himself, but it's about pointing people toward God. Which is why when he says later on in uh, verse 4, that I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. What is that work that he accomplished? It means pointing people to the Father making sure that his name was known, 
making sure that people were worshiping him and loving him and knowing the God that he is. That's the work that Jesus was sent to do, and now, near the end of his life, he is saying that that work has been accomplished. So what does Jesus pray when he prays for himself? He's praying that God, through him, would be glorified. And that is, was the purpose of his whole entire life. Everything that he did would bring honor and glory and praise to the name of God. And so yes, while he's praying for glory for himself, he's praying that God would ultimately then be glorified. And then he turns his attention to his disciples, and then I'll put these together, the disciples that would follow after him. And what I want to highlight there is some of the things that he prays for, for them and for us. First of all, in verse 11, Jesus asks, Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me. And then similarly in verse 15, that they would be kept from the evil one. In many, much of this prayer, there's allusions to the fact that Jesus was not of the world, and in calling these disciples, he's calling them out of the world. But he knows that because they are followers of his, the world is going to hate them just like they hated him. And so his first prayer is, oh God, keep them in your hands. That as you have given them to me, as you have called them into a relationship with you, would you protect them from a world that is going to do all that they can in terms of temptations and in terms of, of earthly and fleshly longings to try to draw them back away from me and away from you. So protect, preserve them is his first prayer. His second one is the one that seems to be one of the dominant prayers that he prays, and it's highlighted throughout the text. It's there in verse 11, and it's repeated basically in all of 20 through 23, when his prayer is that they may be one. It is a prayer for unity. And not just any unity, but they might be one as the Son and the Father are one. Now, in recognizing that, there's a couple of challenges in interpreting that prayer. First of all, if he's going to pray that we, the followers of Jesus, would be one just like Jesus and the Father are one, doesn't that add a confusion? Because if Jesus was the Son of God and, and one of the, the parts of the, or one of the persons of the Trinity, and earlier when we say that Jesus claimed that I and the Father are one, that was a claim of divinity. Well, is he saying that we too can be and are divine if we're going to be one just as the Father and the Son are one? Does that diminish his claim of divinity? Furthermore, how was this prayer answered or, or was it? When you look at the church of Christ today, Unity is not really a word that first comes to mind. We are divided all over the place with different denominations and different groups. And so the question was, was this prayer unanswered? Are we not the one body that Jesus wanted us to be? Now again, those are deep questions that we could spend a lot of time trying to explore. Let me try to give some brief and quick answers. First of all, to that question of him wanting us to be one with the Father and the Son, just like he and the Father were one. 
And I think the answer to that question goes back to what we just said earlier. The purpose. He was not talking about the the, the form and the identity of Jesus as God. Instead, he's talking about the, the unity of purpose and mission that he had with the Father. And therefore, his prayer for our unity with them is that the way we live our lives would be of the same mission, purpose, and desire that Jesus lived his life. Meaning that everything that we do would be done for the glory of God just like everything that Jesus did was for the glory of God. That all of our decisions would be surrendered to him just like all of the decisions of Jesus were his. We were all, he was always one in purpose, and we too should be. Furthermore, in terms of calling for unity, Jesus is not calling for uniformity, meaning that every church everywhere ought to look exactly the same. While as the Son, he with the Father is the one true God, as persons of the Trinity with the Holy Spirit, they were distinct as persons, not the same. And there is a certain blessing where we can live as distinct denominations, that we can worship in in this church in a more quiet, intellectual, thoughtful way, whereas there's other churches that people can worship in in more exuberant and and excited and, and physical ways. And there's some beauty to the diversity of the church. Now, while that tempers a little bit the understanding of how this prayer might have been answered, we can't get away from the fact that this is something we should continue to strive toward, that if Jesus prayed for our unity, we should be working toward that unity to the best of our abilities, focusing on that one hope that we have in Jesus Christ. A third thing that Jesus prays for is seen in verse 17 when he prays, sanctify them in the truth. And then continues with the statement, your word is truth. The idea of being sanctified is the idea of becoming more and more righteous, more and more holy in the way that we live our lives, looking more and more like Jesus. And if we want to know, well, how do we do that? How do we grow in our holiness? The answer is in our text. It's growing in truth, which is God's word. When we speak of the scriptures, the Bible, as the word of God, we speak of it as being the revelation of God. And the more time that we spend in that word, the more we're going to know about God, we're gonna know, the more we're going to know how he calls us to live. And so if we are going to become sanctified, the prayer of Jesus is that we would be grounded in that word, that we would know God and therefore we would serve him in the way that he commands us to live in that word. And so his prayer for the people that would follow would be that they would be holy, sanctified, through his word. Fourth and the, the last thing I wanted to highlight seen, is seen in verse 24 where Jesus prays, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. Now again, that request is, is one that comes in the section where Jesus is talking to the future disciples, the next generation of believers, again, including and meaning us. And his prayer is that we might be with him. Especially in and through Jesus, we see that God is a relational God. 
that building off that last point, did, Jesus didn't just come to bring the word and to preach the word. He was the word incarnate dwelling among us. And all of this work that he was doing, especially in going to the cross, was so that he might live with us and we with him. That one day we will be where he is. Now, of course, in all of these prayers, but especially that last point, this is now leading us right to the cross. That place where all of these prayers become possible. Because it's when Jesus finally does go to that cross and he offers himself up as a willing sacrifice for us. Paying the penalty of our sins. Those things that have broken our relationship with God and removed us from his presence forever. That when those things are healed and when we are declared righteous because of the blood of Christ and our faith in him. Well that means that we can be kept in his hands. That we can be uh, united together. That we can be sanctified and we can look forward to that day when we will be with him in glory. And so as I say, it's a little bit hard to apply these things, but I think it's right to suggest that if Jesus prayed that we would be kept that we would be one, that we would be sanctified, and that we would be with Jesus, that not only do we recognize that that's what he wanted, but that would be the desire of our hearts. That everything we do would be to build our relationship with God so that we can be more holy, that we can be united, that we can walk with God in everything that we do. And so in hearing Jesus' heart for us, we would share that heart with him and we would look like him in how he lived. In light of that, there's one other thing to really highlight from this prayer. And that's how all of these things that Jesus is praying is not just for us, but it's that we might become more like Christ, therefore to carry on the mission of Christ. It says in verse 18, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And then in verse 23, I in them and you in me that they may become perfect, they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and live in them even as I loved you. My typing was incorrect or I'm missing some words, but you can see in verse 23 what he's talking about. And the idea is that the more we become the kind of people that Christ was praying would be, we would become through our sanctification, through our unity, through being kept from the world, that this becomes a testimony to the world. And this prayer naturally leads toward mission. That just as Jesus lived to point people to who God is and to know him and to know Jesus Christ whom he had sent into the world, we, through the people we become and the way that we live together in community, would also point people toward knowing that same God. And his kingdom would continue to be built in this world. Just as he was about to approach the cross... Jesus took time to engage in what is called here this high priestly prayer. 
That before the Day of Atonement, the priest of the Old Testament would pray for themselves, and then they would pray for the community as they were about to offer up this sacrifice that would sanctify them and remind them of the love of God, asking a forgiveness for their sins. Well, in this high priestly prayer, Jesus prays for himself, that he would glorify God through his actions, and he prays for us, that we would be kept, that we would be sanctified, that we would be one, and that we would be with him. Well, as we approach this table, this memorial feast of what Jesus did in order to allow for all of that to happen, may we share those same desires, that we would be one with God, not only in our worship, but in everything that we do and in the way that we live our lives. Toward that end, let's have a word of prayer. Lord God and Heavenly Father, we confess that the desire of our lives often is for our own glory, that we would be healthy so that we can enjoy life, that we would be blessed with finances and, and with peace so that we might uh, prosper in this world, that we would be forgiven of sins that we have committed. But our prayer this morning is not for us, but for your glory. I pray, O oh Lord, that as being called your people, identified as your children, that we might serve you in all that we do. And that not only in these moments of worship on Sunday mornings and then again in Sunday evening, but throughout our lives, the desire of our lives would be the same desire we saw in Jesus, that we would live for you so that your name would be glorified, not only for our sake, but for the sake of a world that so desperately needs to know you and to hear from you. So Lord, we surrender ourselves to you and our prayer is that you would be glorified in all that we do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.